0: Hi, I'm Christina with the Broke Girl Society, and I'm Sarah with the Ambitious Addicts. And today we're here with a Saturday Step Special. Uh, we are going to this is our first episode. We're going to start doing step work together, uh, both talking about different addictions that we want to apply a 12-step program to, and work the steps in front of you. We're going to do it once a month. So. <laughs> With that, um, Christina, why don't you start with what you're working on? Then I'll say what I'm working on and we can dive it, and then we can define each of our individual steps because so they sound slightly different, but almost
1: identical. Yeah, sounds great. Okay. I am, um, if you're following along with me, you know that I'm working through the step, 12 steps for a gambling addiction. I'm a compulsive gambler. Fantastic. And I too am a compulsive gambler and long-term recovery. And
0: as I've grown in my recovery, I've noticed that I've got some codependency to work on. There happens to be a 12-step program for that. So I am working on step one for codependency.
1: Yeah, and I really feel like codependency and compulsive gambling have a lot in common. So this will be great. I think a lot of people will probably recognize their own codependency issues as we work through this. And so maybe it'll help them kind of, um, you know, do a two-for-one kind of thing, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, you can get them both at the same time. Because I was early on in my gambling recovery, I I was you know in denial about codependency. So there we have it. Yeah, yeah I remember um, when my
1: um, therapist first brought it up to me. She was like, "Have you read a book about codependency?" And I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not dependent on anybody." I didn't understand it. I didn't. Under, I thought it just meant like I was depending on people. And I'm like, "No, I I had no understanding of it." And then it was like further on down the line. I, as I learned more about it and I'm like, oh, wow, I am codependent. I'm very, very codependent. <laughs> so, so this is going to be great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. I, uh, same, same reaction as you did. That's you talking about. No, I'm, I'm really independent. I don't need anybody. <laughs> that phrase alone, if you find yourself saying it might be an indication you'd like to research.
1: What is codependency? Yeah, yeah. Don't be like us. Just accept (laughs) it. Just accept it from the beginning. Okay.
0: So uh, my step reads: uh, We admitted we were powerless over others that our lives had become unmanageable.
1: Okay. And my step reads: We admitted we are powerless over gambling that our lives have become unmanageable. Still, almost identical. Just a little different. Yeah. So I want to talk first about
0: powerlessness. And um, some of the unique experience we have as women, and we're working, uh, for anyone who's curious how we're working these steps and how we're getting the words that we're coming up with, we're together working through a book by Stephanie Covington, and it's called A Women's Way Through the 12 Steps. There's both a book and a workbook. So I'm reading from the book itself on page 10 under the heading, Are We Really Powerless? It says. The word powerless is a problem for many women. Many of us were taught to let something or someone else control our lives. It can be difficult to acknowledge we are powerless over, in my case, other people, because we already feel powerless in so many other areas of our lives. Admitting powerlessness may appear to be one more instance of our familiar one-down position. It seems like too much to ask of us. Yet, only when we admit our powerlessness and lack of control over our addiction can we begin to find out where we truly have power in our lives. This is the first of many paradoxes we experience in recovery. I had a hell of a time with powerlessness and accepting the word, kind of layering that in with my fierce independence and that that insistence that I didn't need anybody and um, my one of my ways of controlling my relationship with others trying to exert power over it was to try to change the dynamic of the relationship between me and the other person instead of accepting this is what is so that's um, just related to the codependency piece I can see that I truly have been relying on other people for things that I could give myself. <laughs> and I've also been, you know, sometimes pushing away relationships because of some of the feelings of powerlessness that I had about what would happen if the relationship changed. So okay. that's a, a bit on the powerlessness for me as it relates to codependency.
1: I think for me, if I'm talking about powerlessness, um, how, I, how I perceive it is whenever we, we live in our, our shame and our guilt or even our denial, um, all that holds power over us. So that's how I look at working um, the word powerless into my step work is um, I don't wanna give those emotions and those feelings power over me. Like I have to address those those things. Um, And take that power back, which is why it's really important to me to um, really acknowledge things as I process them and really kind of see where I've lost power in my life because that's, that's where it becomes unmanageable, you know, because, because it just, it just goes crazy. And, and um, you know, that's, that's how it becomes unmanageable for me is by not acknowledging these, these emotions and these things and taking back the power, you know, so that I can move forward.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think the other thing that I've come to learn since doing my gambling recovery is when I was early on in recovery and I'm looking at this first time, I'm like, I'm not powerless. Like I just had this attitude about it as if powerlessness was a state of being and not a state of feeling. And so I was truly feeling powerless. That emotion of powerlessness is different than you literally have no power, right? Um, But when we're feeling powerless, it, it does feel like there's no way out. There's nothing to do. So we kind of spin, um, in all the other feelings because we don't want to feel powerless. So we'll just shift to shame or guilt or regret or some other really fun emotion.
1: And that's very true. That's very true. Um, I noticed that a lot, um, about, um, kind of shifting the blame and kind of like, you know, like I, I used to blame everything, everybody, it was everybody's fault that, I was gambling, but at the end of the day, it wasn't, you know, once I've kind of started doing some of the step work and kind of started digging down a little bit deeper, I knew at the end of the day, it's me. I'm responsible for the choices I've made. Um, and just like I'm responsible for my recovery and the choices that I make to continue to recover. So, um, that's kind of how I've, I think by owning that it was my choice. To start this addiction, I took back some power, and I feel like I can use that power um, to help continue on this road of recovery for me. Right. So, yeah. And it's funny that you say that because you've told me, previous conversations about, if you hear me talk about a certain situation, you'll be like, no, you're trying to control, you're trying to control (laughs) that situation. So I think you've actually been working on this longer than you think, because I know a while back, you, I mean, you're, you're quick to be like, okay, you know, like you're trying to control her reaction and you can't. Yeah.
0: I'm onto myself about it, but it doesn't mean I don't struggle with it. Right. Yeah. Right. So I see it. And I think that's the gift of the program. Had I not gone through the program of recovery for working the steps with gambling and quitting gambling because I I was powerless. You know, when I thought about quitting gambling and then my my mind would leap right to, you can't stop. We need to get, you know, it's like my brain truly believed that I needed to gamble. And and that for me was, that was true powerlessness. I had never experienced in my life that almost trance-like state where I felt like I wasn't even, Making a decision, and yet I was right. I know logically I was making a decision, but when you're in addiction and you're in action, as we say in, in talking about gambling specifically, it feels so urgent. And like if it doesn't, if I don't fulfill this need inside of me, uh, like something's gone very wrong, right? So, so I truly was powerless when it came to gambling, I tried to control it. I failed every time I tried to control it. Yeah. Me too. You too. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was plenty of evidence that I had surrendered
1: all my power to the external force of gambling for sure. Absolutely. And I think too, whenever we look at that, um, you know, it feels like, it feels like when we're caught up in, in active addiction, um, that we, we don't even have the choice. Like there's, there is no choice like there, but, But there is, it's just, it's all in your, it's all in your mindset Um, because I heard somebody say today, um, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, fighting this gambling addiction, we don't have any willpower. You know, we don't have the willpower to stop. Um, But if you really think about it, uh, compulsive gamblers have enormous amounts of willpower because we find the willpower, right? to go and gamble do whatever we got to do to go gamble right that's that's your yeah. willpower so it's just it's all about learning how to shift that willpower into yeah. working working it for you instead of against you so um that was really kind of a, a thinker you know when I yeah. heard that I was like that,
0: uh-huh. uh, it, yeah like you know that makes uh-huh. a lot of sense I was yeah I was using my willpower to be sneaky and find ways to hide my addiction that's cute I see the yeah. same thing about the word ambition. Like people, you know, respond to when I talk about. I ask the question, are you ambitious? You know, a lot of people will be like, no, I've never been ambitious. And I'm like, really? Tell me about that time when you couldn't find your drug or behavior a choice. <laughs> what exactly. Length Great lengths did you go to. Yeah. And on the topic of willpower too, I think, you know, we look at how much of that actually was us trying to exert our will our will to, to gamble, right? And we, we tried that and we created the unmanageability, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later, but the, you know, as we get into some of the future steps and talking about the recognition we have of how we've been really holding on to our will being the way, but we'll save that discussion for when we're
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a, a very um true statement though. Uh, finding that. But I thought that's that's so true. And so I think for me in my own recovery, um it's finding it's kind of turning that willpower around. And you know, I, I don't know how I did it. There, I couldn't tell you the magic formula for it. Um it's just a lot of mental work, a lot of um, you know, just doing you just putting in the work and somehow I've shifted that, that willpower. And that's what, what drives me today. And that's why, you know, I try and be so active in the community, you know, to try and just keep that willpower going for good versus evil, you know, kind of thing. So that's kind of how I look at it, but okay. So in this workbook that we're working, which is the workbook um, associated with the book that you just read out of uh, a woman's way through the 12 steps workbook. Okay. So, Under step one, and and this is a great workbook to really prompt you and really work through these steps because, you know, you get that basic step. We admitted we were powerless over gambling that our lives have become unmanageable. Um, Most of it's pretty evident, you know, whether it's finances or, um, you know, home life, but then there's some that's not as recognizable, right? So there's some that, that you didn't even think about. And I mean, I, I, when I was going through this first one and the first prompt is awareness. So it's just, it's being aware, I think of, you know, how this, this is impacting our lives, how this is making our lives unmanageable, you know, different levels of unmanageability. So it's, it's kind of interesting and she gives some examples. So it makes it a little bit easier to kind of dig and uh, find some answers that may not be that easy.
0: Yeah. And I think The awareness starts with our thinking and the workbook itself helps us get outside of the engine just running automatically and get a real good look at on paper, what poured out of my mind when I was prompted to answer that question, we can see it in a little bit more of an objective way than we can when we're just letting the thoughts race inside of us. Um, At least that's been my experience that putting it down on paper and the benefit of a workbook like this, prompting us around areas we can think it's helped me tremendously still does today, not just in my recovery, but in goal attainment and all sorts of things, like pen to paper.
1: (laughs) Oh no, I'm hundred percent. I was never a journaler. And I think, um, in one of our very first conversations, we talked about this. Um, Mm -hmm. I couldn't even keep up with like weight watchers because I, I just, wouldn't journal. I wouldn't keep track of the points. I wouldn't do any of that stuff. Journaling has really changed my whole thought process. Like it's like when you write it, even some of those, those really hard things that you're struggling to process, if you just write it out and, you, and then you read it, it's almost like you can kind of step away from it or step away from those emotions. It gives you a better sense of processing it, understanding it. And um, so journaling is definitely, definitely my number one tool. I think with recovery, so it's been pretty amazing.
0: Mine too, and the connection and and the the knowing of not being alone um, is another piece of it, and why I was yes, excited when you brought up the idea of let's see, let's let people see us work the steps. <laughs> so did you have a favorite writing prompt on that awareness, or one that you want to you want to talk about your own awareness of unmanageability, or think back to your early days because you're you're climbing into the triple digits.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I already at the, at the time of this recording, um, I'm 104 days gamble free. So I'm stoked about that. Okay. So under awareness, she talks about, have you obsessed or fantasized about your addictive behavior? Now, the reason why this is interesting to me, because it's not anything I would have even thought about. And it's not something I would have even reflected on. Um, and I know there's a lot of people out there. I am not one that has had this issue, but they dream about, you know, they have dreams like these very vivid uh, dreams about gambling. And I, it's not something I've ever had. Um, Now I've had, like, if I was up all night or up late, and then I've had it to where I couldn't, couldn't wind down. Like I might've still heard the bells, you know, in my mind, when I got home, like I might've had the sensation. It's kind of like when you leave the ocean, you kind of get the rocking in the water sensation. That's kind of how it is when you leave the 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 casino after being there. Yeah. You hear the ding, 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 ding in the back Mm -hmm. of your mind. And um, so that's kind of, that's kind of how I explain that. But Mm -hmm. as far as like fantasizing about it or just like obsessively, like I've got to get there. I've got to get there. I, at first I was like, no, I never really did that. But then as I really got to thinking, it's like, uh, especially on paydays, I always just thought if I could go double my paycheck, then I could get caught up on the stuff that I had gotten behind on because I was using the money for evil. And, um, yeah, I would obsess about that. I would obsess about going and getting that jackpot. And the sad reality of that is even if I did, I didn't leave with it. And my paycheck was usually gone too. So that's <laughs>
0: say not advisable, right?
1: <laughs> not advisable <laughs> at all. Yeah.
0: Or- you well, know, I'll speak for someone
1: gambling
0: in the I'll shift and talk a little bit about how this shows up for me with codependency um, because I'm still I'm actively needing to work on that. Gotten a lot better, but I've never worked the steps on it. So I thought this was a perfect opportunity because I've worked steps on gambling multiple, multiple times regularly we do to add the steps to a new area of my life and see what kind of impact I can have there. The my gambling experience with the obsessive thinking I sometimes would get through that last hour of the day at work. Um, I was in a situation where I didn't really love uh, my leader at the time. And so I would just sit there and obsessively think about, okay, if it's like one more hour and you can just leave and you can go to the casino or it got to the point seriously where I was on my way to work. And if the, if the light at the left-hand turn is green, you get to go to the casino tonight or the the obsessive thinking about the debt and the devastation that was the result of my gambling and creating the unmanageability of my life was also something I spent a lot of time and energy thinking about while I was active in my addiction.
1: Yeah, I did too. I did too, but it still never, it still never kept me out. Like it almost would send me back because I would get so overwhelmed by just thinking about it. Like it was just this constant vicious craziness. Yeah. But yeah, obsessing, just obsessing over, um, Yeah. Well,
0: logically we look at it now and we're like, that's really fascinating. I thought the solution to the problems that I created by my problem was the solution to my problem. Like what? (laughs) Yeah, really. You're like, wait, why (laughs) does That make any sense? The gymnastics, (laughs) the mental gymnastics we're doing to justify why we're keep doing something that's creating harm in our lives uh, is, is wow.
1: You know, when I look at it today, absolutely Um, crazy how we rationalize. Go ahead. Absolutely crazy. How we wash rationalize some of the scenarios in our brain, like, and it just goes to show you, um, how much our brains, you know, they're starting to finally, um, talk about the damage compulsive gambling is doing to our brains. And it's, it's amazing when you go and you, you read this stuff and how much our brains actually change, but here's a little, something I want to say, if our brains change due to our compulsive behavior, or our addiction, then our brains can change with healing, right? Our brains can change with recovery. So I just want you to know if you're out there listening that even though, you know, we may have rationalized some crazy shit, you know, to, to justify what we were doing. um, As you go through recovery, your brain does start to heal. You start to see how rationalizing that way is not healthy that, you know, so so those things do start to change as you get further along in recovery. So, just uh, just to let you know that I don't want anybody to think it and you I think can't change direct,
0: back. Yeah, and it's in direct contrast. You know, continuing the behavior is if we're in that place where like I want to quit. I know I was in that place for a long time and mm-hmm. not successful in my quitting. Um, we want to quit and then we start to notice and build this awareness that this rationalization is actually driving us back into the doors of the place that we're trying to stay away from that's where this awareness is super powerful where you start to realize i'm thinking things that are taking me right back to the to choosing to believe in the moment that gambling is the answer. And that's an automatic thought pattern we've created. And the key we're doing with our brains now is we have to recreate whole new thought patterns. You feel sad, there's a different answer than gambling. You feel frustrated, there's a different answer than gambling. We have to prove our new thinking true, but we have to know what we're thinking already in order to begin to make the shift.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And it's when you when you start to change your way of thinking, your mindset, um, starting to use that willpower for good versus evil. And I say that, and it sounds like I'm being lighthearted about it, but I think everybody listening probably understands the evil side of things. Um, when you use that that for good, um, even though some days are still a struggle, it's still so much easier to be able to talk yourself out of those um, urges and those things that come up, because you're you're building the tools as you go along, um, to be able to say, look, I we're doing this this financial inventory, we're doing, you know, things that are further down in the steps, so it's so you have a better understanding of the unmanageability or the wreckage that this has caused. So you're able to, like I personally have been able to talk myself out of something, just about as quickly as it's come on, yeah, for me. So yeah. um, so it's really important to be aware of how, you know, like really digging in and seeing how this addiction, um, has, has made things unmanageable yeah being aware of it, whether it's in your finances, your personal life, your, uh, work life, you know, you, you've got to really be aware of, um, where the damage is being done. So
0: You're unaware of what you truly want in your life. Yes. You know, when we're caught in it
1: and when we're in it, in
0: it, right. We oftentimes aren't. Thinking ahead in a in a I don't, in a goal oriented way, other than ever been the goal being I I want to fuel my addiction and for me that was it. Um, I I just I'm over here like remembering like you know when when we talk about these things we were at least for me I really remember the early days when I'm talking to somebody who is earlier. In their recovery than I am presently, and I, mean, I remember the unmanageability, in particular with my finances, not just you know the debt and the, that portion of it, but also the the insanity of you know sitting at the casino, moving money around in my bank accounts in order to be able to make a withdrawal calling the credit card company like from the ATM like right in front of it because I just needed more money right now right now right now and that's not a manageable way of thinking about your finances by any means so want, yeah and I want to give an example of the um the codependency stuff so okay. on the on the codependency side you know there is this desire to control others. And that in so many ways, right? What they think of you, how they treat you, what they do, what they do not do. And one of mine that I struggle with is the, what they think of me, the fear of judgment and, um, you know, shape-shifting is, and I don't, I'm conscious of it now. I have that awareness now. So there's less and less of it, but it's a pattern that's pretty, Long, long, long standing. And I believe that likely comes from some of my childhood influence where, you know, I had to walk on eggshells around some people who might have high bubbles of temper. <laughs> and, um, and so I think that was a, a self protection mechanism to shape shift and, and do what others wanted. And now in adulthood, that shows up in, in other ways. Um, and also being very concerned what others thought of me. And I, can, I don't really know what, where that comes from, but maybe that's also part of the kind of chaotic house, you know, trying to please that individual. So I got attention maybe because I was neglected um, or think I was neglected. I think they were doing the best that they can. I can see that now. But um, when I think about my unmanageability of that, it, it shows up in such subtle little ways. So I'll give an example of something. I think I shared it. Uh, maybe you were there. In, a, in another place where I shared it. I don't remember. I've been sharing it with a couple of people and it's resonated. So we might as well share it with everybody who listens to our podcast. Absolutely. So I had some dirty dishes on the counter. I do value my home being tidy. I find that to create peace. I also accept about myself that I don't love folding laundry, but I do like when I walk in my kitchen, the counters are clean and the dishes, there's no dirty dishes in the sink. and I value that. And I looked at a couple dirty dishes that I had stacked and not put where they belong. The dishwasher had clean dishes in it. So I kind of made this little excuse, you know, like you got to do the whole, like it's going to take, you know, all five minutes it's going to take. So I caught myself and this is where the awareness is so key thinking no one will know. No one will see it. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm not no one, you're right. And you're not no one. And I, and then I, you know, went a little bit down that, that same path and was like, did I do that when I was gambling too? And I sure did. No one would know if I didn't get home by a certain hour because I, my son was home asleep and he wouldn't know. And he's the only one who lived with me. No one would know about me taking that withdrawal from my 401k because I didn't share my money with anyone no one will know and I I see this pattern of like even in the decisions I'm making about myself and about my life that I'm operating and shifting that through a lens of what other people will think so that was a a moment of unmanageability, like even me getting my dishes done, which I enjoy enjoy having a clean counter. I'm thinking about what other people will think of my kitchen (laughs) as if I'm, and my own opinion and what I think of the dirty kitchen isn't enough to be considered.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting way to look at it. That's very true because it's like, even like sometimes we beat ourselves up for our own like exactly what you said, you know, you're beating yourself up because you're not living to the standard that you want, or you feel like you aren't right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're so, we're so hard on ourselves on those, on those things. And, you know, another way that, that, that codependency and especially in this addiction, um, but a lot of them, it comes to, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, fear of judgment, when it comes to addressing our addiction. Right. And then, so your codependency issue there would be, um, fear to talk about it because you're fearful of what other people are going to think fearful, you know, and that, that plays a huge part. So that's why I feel like codependency plays such a huge role because when you look at it, um, that's the reason why a lot of us don't talk about it, you know, because of, we're so worried about what other people think. Yeah. And, I'm here to tell you, like, once I started talking about my addiction and once I, you know, I got on social media and at first I was, I was tight on my social media. Like I didn't want any of my friends or family to see it, um, because it was, you know, it was talking about my gambling addiction and, um, and I was so fearful that somebody that I knew would see that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and then they would judge me, but I got to, got to really thinking about that. And I'm, I'm like, they've, I, you know, it goes back to, you can't control you cannot control how others think of you. They already think a certain way of you. So finding out something different, it, it might change their perspective, but you have no control over that. Yeah. Uh, The only thing that that you can control is just how you're going to recover and how you're going to proceed with this. And then maybe, you know um, you'll find some, some freedom in that part of that codependency, that fear of judgment. But that, I think that's one of the biggest things that hold people back from acknowledging that they have an addiction or a problem. Um, but also from, from just moving forward in their recovery. And so now that I'm, you know, so many days in, or, you know, three months or so in, I, I tell people like, I'm very open about it now. Um, because I, I got to looking back, I'd already lost so many people with my mm-hmm. addiction alone. Mm-hmm. So, and that was from hiding it. Yeah. So now I would rather lose them from talking about it and being my true self right. and being this honest version of myself than to lose right. people because I'm lying and hiding. Right. So it's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely a shift in mindset, you know, that I keep talking about throughout because it's just so important to um, really see things through a different lens. It's very, very important.
0: Yeah, it really is, and I think that that fear of judgment, coupled with the the in, the intimacy with ourselves, like we're so disconnected from ourselves that maybe it becomes, you know, another excuse to keep going in our addiction because we're so scared. And then we're relying on ourselves. We're like, I can do this. I got to figure this out. I can do this on my own, you know. despite all the proof that we did not successfully do it on our own. But it's also that same, that fierce independence to tying the codependency back in that fierce independence and the fear of judgment together make
1: asking for help incredibly, incredibly difficult. I know that was hard for me. Me too. Me too. And, um, it just finally took me realizing that I couldn't do it alone. Like I, I couldn't do it alone. And I had to have, I had to have help because I wanted, I wanted to be better, but you know, that's another thing that it took me acknowledging my addiction was I was scared that I would be held accountable, that I wouldn't be able to gamble anymore. And that, that was how I, um, you know, dealt with everything. It's like, if I can't do that, (laughs) <laughs> what am I gonna do? Like face what am problems? I gonna do in a
0: sad or mad or any emotion that I'm unwilling to feel? Then what?
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, then you dive into social media, and then you avoid them for a little while, and then you realize that this is just my own personal story. Then you realize that, or somebody way smarter and you know who's been down this road will tell you you're avoiding yourself, and then you. I'm not gonna name any names, I mean, but somebody I know told me that and um, so then I really that's when the work really started for me is is acknowledging that I was avoiding being with myself and now I have self reflected so much I am sick of myself so <laughs> yeah it's been an, been a rough hundred days yeah hundred I, get sick days. Of, I still get sick of myself I think mean, <laughs> that's what one of
0: the most beautiful things about any program or community support it doesn't matter you know you and I are totally aligned and like we could care less like you want to work a twelve-step program great you want to you want to journal your way out of something great you want to go hide in the woods great like just do whatever it takes to help yourself recover so we're not I know we're we're like your recovery, your choice that's kind of what we both really believe and yet we recognize the power that steps like we're talking about today have had in our lives and we're able to have this because someone else who went through it before us was willing to share it with us. And um, we provide our experience to one another as a true gift because we get it. We get the pain. We get the hurt. We get the regret. I mean, we we truly understand what that feels like. And we don't want anyone to
1: suffer like that anymore.
0: So, Absolutely. So we're here talking about it. Like this is what the steps look like if you're curious.
1: <laughs> it's really, it's really just digging in there and um, you know, trying to figure this stuff out. It's, it's like they were like they say one day at a time, sometimes it's it's, you know, one hour at a time. Um, you know, sometimes and especially in early recovery, it's an it's an emotional roller coaster. Um you know, you're up, you're down, you're up again, you're down. I mean, it's just, but, you know, just keep moving on through that. It's almost like your emotions can almost be unmanageable a little bit. If you want to tie that back in, because there, there's no, there's no way to really rein them in. And I just learned, um, especially being female and having, you know, the hormones on top of all that, you Mm know, um, you know, that can really play havoc on, on recovery. Yeah, you know, because you're you're feeling so you're having all this um, withdrawal, emotional withdrawal, um, and then on top of that, you throw the crazy emotions. You know, on top, it it can be That's really crazy. Some people are, <laughs> some people are. Like, man, I have I have met some like really, really like you know, know. crazy. I'm getting Ooh. disenchanted with the word itself. Crazy? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Maybe we should find like, what's a fancy, let's what's, what's a different word for crazy that we could throw in there. Um, I,
0: you know, I think
1: wild, people, like wild emotions, mental health is unmanaged,
0: right? Yeah. The same thing can happen if we're not emotionally regulating uh, whether we need medicine for that, or we don't need medicine for that, but people, you know, we think about the labels people put on gamblers and that's Ugh. degenerate. Like, mm-hmm like morally so, corrupt. And, yeah, and when we talk about normalizing, discussing mental health, like you using the word crazy for me brings up, you know, images of somebody who's uh, um, who's not needing treatment. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I think the way the way I look at it now is very much like that person has a mental health condition that needs treatment. And that's changed for me as I've met more and more people who need treatment for mental health conditions. And I've grown in my knowledge of all the different things that we might need support for as humans in this world with the gift of all the emotions we've been given (laughs) in environments where we're told it's totally normal to have a drink to not feel, to have a cigarette to not feel, to have coffee to not feel, to have... Anything to not feel because we're just supposed to always be happy.
1: Okay, we're supposed to always be okay. Everything's okay. fine. That's fine. We're just Our fine. Why do, <laughs> <laughs> Why do you ask? Why
0: do you ask? I'm fine. Why? I my, still, my favorite meme is the one with the I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like a cartoon character. There's a cup of coffee on a desk and then everything's like burning around. And it's like, fine, everything's fine. That's the robot voice in my head that that cartoon
1: has. Everything's fine, fine, everything's fine. But that, that's true when you think of, of, right, when you're coming out of addiction, Um, like your whole world is like literally imploding all around you and you're trying to walk through this and figure it out. And that's that's an excellent analogy on how like finally making that first step and you've got all this unmanageability and all this cra- not crazy, wildness, wildness behind you us, yeah. um, you know, and, you know, we're trying to carve our way through it, you know, and find, find our way to um, some less, less wildness, you know, trying yeah. to find some peace in our peace. lives the that we, yeah, that we've, Calm. we've struggled with. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: um look at how my codependency showed up
1: trying to control what what words you used (laughs) (laughs) great example (laughs) you're like um we're not going to use crazy let's see so Uh, so it's my choice not to use the word you're in charge of your words not me
0: you say whatever you want
1: (laughs) no i kind of like your i kind of like how you talked about that though um because sometimes it i mean you do think about the words that people put on um you know, gambling addicts. And if you, and if, you know, you're in the groups, you have your own own groups of, you know, beautiful, intelligent, strong women who have battled with addiction. It doesn't, I mean, yeah, when, when you're thinking of the labels and I think that's why there's not a lot of movement for this addiction um, because of the um, labels associated with it. And really, if they took stock, of who was struggling with this addiction, they'd probably be really, really surprised. You know. I think with gambling in particular, well, lots of behavioral addictions, you know, on the surface
0: that don't manifest with physical symptoms. Yeah, we get cranky, yeah, we get tired, yeah, we get snippy, and I think our personalities change a lot while we're active and especially when we're in unmanageability. Um I can't see it, can't spell it, can't taste it. Like no one's, you know, you know, if a smoker smoked, you know, if a drinker drank, you know, if a heroin user is nodding off, like all those things can be seen. And yeah, it's, I could talk all day about the invisible and how, and I would say codependency is an invisible addiction too, but I don't know where near what my gambling created in my life.
1: It's pretty amazing how you can kind of really look at your actions and really try and figure out why, you're doing what you're doing. And once you can figure that out, then um, things become a lot more manageable.
0: Yeah, Uh, same thing with redirecting, like the, what do I want, right? Redirecting, like, what is it? Why why am I doing this thing? What do I want? Like the example I had with me in the kitchen, right? What do I want? Well, I want a clean kitchen, but I'm suddenly using other people as the excuse to not achieve my goal. The people who aren't even coming to visit me, (laughs) or the reason I don't need to do what I want to do, like what in the world or the amount of time I spent, I spent really thinking about a a meeting I'm having with a friend who I haven't spent some time with. And I was just making up this whole freaking story in my head about what she was thinking, what she was feeling and what that meant to me. And, you know, let's walk down the road of worst case scenario. That's where my brain just loves to go. And I, I had the most beautiful connection with that person yesterday who told me all the garbage her brain was throwing at her all this time. And we just laughed at our own insecurity and chatted about it. And it was, it was all unnecessary, unmanageable thinking that consumed my time, my energy, my heart. Cause I was, you know, like, maybe I should grieve the friendship was this, you know, be like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to feel sad right now. <laughs> like, and, and all of it was BS.
1: All of it. Now, like classic, classic overthinking on like, really just like running all these scenarios in your head. And then it's like, you do all this mental work and you're get so stuck in all this mental work. And then you, you see that person and they're like, Hey, what's up? Like, I just really been busy, and you're like, oh, I thought like you were like, uh, like no, I thought we weren't crazy. friends anymore. Like I thought our, you know, our <laughs> life together was over. Like, and they're like, no, I, I, just, I've got this project to work, and I've really just I been just busy. And, life, yeah. And a lot of times they think that we're okay. You know, like mm-hmm. I had a situation where a friend was just like, you know, you're the one friend I thought I didn't have to worry about. Yeah. So they weren't really feeling like they had to check in when in reality, I was probably the one that they needed to worry about the most, but that's how we like to perceive ourselves that we're okay. We're fine. And then people actually are kind of like, I don't think so, but if she says it, okay. You know? And um, so, yeah, but okay. Well, I guess we'll just kind of um, bring this step one to a close. Now, I think we decided we're going to do an episode a month. Right for the next twelve months, so we're going to work a step beginning. a month. We can change um, our minds, though. We're allowed to do that, but yeah. as of right now, I think that's what we said. I'm just going to give you a quick um, read for next month's episode, just to kind of give you an idea on step step two two. So for my relation to this and my uh, compulsive gambling addiction step two is came to the, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So that will be step two for next month. Nice. That reads identically. Oh, okay. Then we'll both, we'll both have our own version of that, but, um, this one, this one was kind of hard for me. So, uh, it definitely took a lot of, a lot of people, um, around me. To help me, to help me sort this out. So this one's this one's a, a, a tricky one for some. Me
0: too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's uh, reach out for support to either one of us if uh, if you need a sounding board. If you're working through admitting you're powerless, or just trying to digest the, the unmanageability and how you define unmanageability in your life. We are here to love and support you as you choose recovery.
1: All right. Well, I guess that's all for today.
0: Awesome.